I don't Is know. Is that how like you like the intro that way? That's my new my new way to go. So what have you been up to this week? What have you been doing? Well, shit. I'll just do the intro right Please now. Please do. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bubble Butt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. What I've been up to this week, Cody, mm. uh, just crushing my way through television series after television series, movie after movie. Hell yeah. Standout so far. Uh, just to, for, for nice comfort, I like to go back to Silence of the Lambs every mm. so often. It's just so good. It's great. And Starship Troopers, because I fucking love it. Where, uh, where do you watch that one at? I'd like to watch that again for like the 15th time. Silence of the Lambs? No, or Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Uh, Netflix. Really? Mm-hmm. Fucking love it. I think they I, just put that up there. I love that movie, but acting is not great. Oi, no, boy. <laughs> and the way that uh, uh, the pilot girl, I always forget her name in the movie, mm. but the way that she Charlie is... Charlie Sheen's wife? Yes, yeah. yes. The yeah. way that she is, like, just the... She's seen <laughs> as, like, the ditziest idiot of all, mm. like, easily swayed by men. Mm. Like, mm. in the beginning football game, when she's, like, hitting on the dude that becomes her pilot teacher or whatever. <sighs> I was so glad when he got his fucking brain sucked out. Yeah, it was awesome. That part was awesome. And it had, uh, what the hell's his name? Neil Patrick Harris? Yep, yep, yep. He's a good character in there. I, what movie was I just thinking about that you mentioned? Fuck, I just forgot. Oh, speaking of bad acting, I finally watched Deliverance. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I'm assuming you've seen it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Voight. Is god awful okay. of an actor. My god, he his lines in that are like two to three sentences or two to three words. That's it. I'm trying to think if he ever gets better, and I don't think he. I don't think he ever improved as an actor. Well, I really liked Anaconda right when I was younger. Yeah. Who didn't? And he's obviously the bad guy in it. Yeah. And everyone made fun of his acting, but if you rewatch it now, he's not great. And that's like Angelina's dad. Dad, right? Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, he played a piece of wood pretty much. But (laughs) But man, Deliverance is an amazing movie, but really good. He Burt Reynolds kills it in that, but uh and I think that's the first time I've I feel like I can remember Burt Reynolds not or Burt Reynolds with a full head of hair and it was all black and not gray. I was Smokey and the Bandit. I haven't watched those. You've never seen Smokey and the Bandit? You'd recommend it? Yes, absolutely. Classic? Oh, my God, yeah. Mm. If you're watching the classic movies, you got to watch some Smokey and the fucking Bandit. Who's the the Bandit? The is the Burt Reynolds. Oh, he's the Bandit. Who's Smokey? The Police. The Police. Mm. Okay, I thought it was like him. I thought it was like a duo. No, but the girl, Forrest Gump's mom, is in it. Oh, Sally Fields. Sally Fields. Sally Fields, yeah. A young... Uh, uh, lithe, sexy Sally Fields. <laughs> I think the first movie I ever seen with her in it was Mrs. Doubtfire. Doubtfire yeah, you know? for sure. It was right in our wheelhouse For there. sure. James Bond showed up in that one, too. It's like, damn. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Rabid? Mm-mm. It, it's one of Cronenberg's like, like, first films, right? Mm. Basically... The story is the lady gets in an accident. They put her together with, like, this experimental surgery. She ends up becoming, like, she can only survive off blood. Kind of like a vampire. And then, wow. And then starts infecting all these people. Wow. It's pretty, uh, pretty interesting movie. That sounds scary. <laughs> it's but not they call too it, bad. Do they call it rabid? Like, her need to drink blood is... Well, like, she kind of creates, like, 
uh, rabies. Okay. Human, rabied humans, mm-hmm. which is obviously a real thing. Mm-hmm. And man, they have a part where they're like showing, giving people the rabies vaccine. And he's got that huge needle. <laughs> it's about ready to go into <sighs> his stomach, and then they like flip scenes. Oh, I I don't ever want that. I don't I, want, and it's like thirty something shots that they have to do in there too. I think you have to get those shots within what was it? I think it was like a day or two Ugh. after you get bitten. <laughs> Otherwise, you're done. You're toast. <laughs> oh, when I was watching Alone, which is that survival competition show, mm, I think Phil was talking about this. That show's nuts, man. Mm. It's crazy. But this lady gets bit by a fucking squirrel because she sh- <laughs> she shot it with a bow and arrow, but it didn't kill it. And for okay. some reason. She just thought she would go front on and grab it by the neck and thought that the squirrel wouldn't, like, try and defend itself. Well, that thing latched onto her fucking mm. hand, like the webbing of her hand. I thought for sure she was going to die out there of rabies, rabies or something, mm. but she ended up going home because she was way too skinny. They <laughs> lose, like, malnourished? Yeah, if they lose too much weight, then the medical team pulls them. They have, yeah, like, that, med checks once a week or that's, something. That's not real safe. Well, when I picture a squirrel... They probably have very dirty teeth. Dirty, and they bite sharp you. teeth. You gotta let them bleed out first, maybe. Can't be that much meat on a squirrel. I know there J- isn't. I know my cousin Josh. He likes to eat his squirrels, but that's very dangerous. You can get <laughs> to like, eat them. Oh yeah, you can get like the worst brain parasites. <laughs> really, off. out of a squirrel? Oh yeah. Even if you uh, cook the shit out of it. Yeah. There. Really. I think it's like a fucking coin toss. <laughs> well, he's eating them. He's eating raccoons. Oh, no. Uh, what's the other one? Would be like the rabbit, I guess. Everybody eats rabbit. What are the other varmints you might eat on, on a farm? Uh, weasel? <laughs> Those are so rare in Iowa. I don't know. Are you they? can't even find one, yeah. What about uh, f- what ferrets? No, not ferrets. Mm. Um, not meerkats. I think those are in <laughs> Africa. I don't know. I wonder if he eats coyote. I wonder if he can eat a coyote. <sighs> Doesn't sound great. Sounds like you just get whatever. What do dogs get where all their hair falls off? Mange? The mange. I mean, Josh, if he got mange, it might not be the worst thing for him, to be honest with you. You think a touch of the mange might... He's he's a little hairy. (laughs) I I was watching Naked and Afraid once, and there was like this weird... He's kind of like a hippie survivalist guy. He found like these clusters of mushrooms. Now... I feel like mushrooms should be the scariest thing to eat, right? It's terrifying. So yeah. he's like, he started by putting it on his lips, and he's like, well, they aren't blistering up, so I think they're safe to eat. So he starts eating them and eating them and eating them, and then all of a sudden his, I think his organs started failing. Oh. And then they're like, well, you can eat these, but only if you cook them first. So if he would have just cooked them, he would have been fine, but he's eating them raw, and then... Man, just boil a pot of water first. <laughs> yeah. Boil your shrooms before you oh. eat them. I think they were... Oyster mushrooms, I think that's what they were. Like where there's a little, it almost looked like a broccoli cluster of mushrooms. Oh, yes, I've seen that. Yeah. Like a cross between coral reef and mushrooms or something. Yeah, you got, always boil them, man. Just, you know what? (laughs) Avoid mushrooms when possible, (laughs) unless you're sure that they're the eatable kind. Outside of morels, do we have an edible mushroom in Minnesota? I don't think so. I wouldn't mm-hmm. give it a shot, but I'm also an asshole. We we have them growing in the yard here. I don't know if I would touch them, though. I think those are probably ultra poison. 
No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> or those know. weird ones that come out of like dead trees. That's even alive trees. We, I had oh, one yeah, outside yeah, yeah. my apartment, a Ugh. giant mushroom cap sticking out the side of the tree. Mm. I wonder if anybody's tried to eat one. Ugh. Probably dead Listen, by now. audience, don't do it, <laughs> no. but let us know. Uh, <laughs> no. Cody, it is your week. I never mm. introduced you, so that's Cody. That's Hello, fine. Cody. We've been talking all the time. Thank you. Well, now you're going to tell us a story. Yeah, very good story, too. That's what I'm talking about. <sighs> this one is called The Witch of Staten Island. Now, <laughs> I've ne- have you been to New York? I've been to New York, but I've never been to the city. Okay. J- were you, like, in the upper part? I've been to Rochester. Okay. New That's north, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that close to Buffalo? Uh, maybe. It might be. I feel be. like Buffalo would be kind of cool to go to. I took but... a bus out there like three times when I was in drum corps. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's a hell of a jaunt, isn't it? That's like 21 <laughs> hours on a bus. It's mm, not that fun. It's not that great. Anyway, this week we will be learning all about the story of Polly Bodine, mm. a lady whom would earn the nickname of the Witch of Staten Island. Mm. Now, the author of the book, Psycho USA, by Harold Schechter, draws a comparison between Polly Bodine and the ultra-notorious Lizzie Borden. Who I've actually heard of. Everybody uh, has heard of her, man. Like, that was... God, I can still remember that story from when I was a little kid. Because there's a big thing where it's like, oh, her house is ultra-haunted. Because of the fucked up shit she did, and uh, I don't know if that's actually true or not. I think her house is still there. It hasn't even been destroyed? In New York. I think it is in New York or Connecticut or somewhere around there. In those clustered East Coast states somewhere. That reminds me. I was watching, like I mentioned, Paranormal Activity before we got on. No, Paranormal Witness. Paranormal Witness, sorry. I was getting confused. It was a story starring people from Maine but they were talking in a Boston accent. Is that... Are you sure? Positive. Because the main accent is kind of similar, but not really. Okay. Well, the guy sounded goddamn like Mark Wahlberg almost, so... Have you ever seen a Stephen King movie? Mm Mm-hmm. Where they talk in a Maine accent? (laughs) You don't want to go down that road. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, all right. So you know what a Maine accent sounds like. All right. Yeah, I don't know. It was I was blown away. I don't. Maybe he was like a transplant from Massachusetts. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, now even though the Lizzie Borden murders occurred in 1892 and is still to this day, as we mentioned, one of the most infamous true crime cases in the world. Mm-hmm. Seeing as the Polly Bodine murders uh, had transpired in 1843, it has become long forgotten as time progresses, especially. And this is just from my, what I've noticed is anything that happened prior to the Civil War seems to mm. kind of be really forgotten. Have you noticed that too? Yeah, from 1776 until 1860 about. Yeah, it seems like nothing. Well, I'm before. saying like history before that time period, it seems like a lot of it doesn't get talked about. True. That's what I've just noticed, like especially in the true crime stuff. But uh, basically the book that I'm reading here that Schechter made was... All Harold like, Schechter, that's a name I've heard before. Yeah, because he did the Ed Gein book. Oh. Ed Gein book. He did like the Albert Fish book. Okay. He did all of them. Very prolific then. He's excellent. And like the book I found, this thing's like 500 pages. Beautiful. And it's like these little forgotten stories. That's throughout great. Throughout the whole thing. So it's fantastic. 
And they just happen to stop. There's one about Minneapolis that we will be doing. Wonderful. Eventually. Back to the roots. Yes. Anyway, let's not make no mistake. When it was relevant, Polly Bodine's murders most certainly gained nationwide notoriety. Sure. Even though it's forgotten now. While the details surrounding the murder itself have almost the perfect amount of detail, finding out about Polly's life from the beginning is a little bit more difficult to come by, presumably because of how they kept records in the time period. But we have a little bit. We have something. And something. All right. Polly Bodine was born sometime in 1809 in Staten Island. Now, from my reading, it appears that Polly's maiden name would have have been Polly Houseman. It's either Houseman Mm. or... I think it's house. I think it's house man because probably Wait, how, when they came over, that guy was here to <laughs> I had build a house houses. And I'm a man to I'm build houseman. houses. Wait, don't some people say houseman? Yeah, like houseman, yeah. houseman, like 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 and anything. You say it really fast. Houseman, shoeman, shoeman, shoe shoemaker is what they're actually called. <laughs> shoemaker man. No, I would love that one. Just shoemaker. Shoemaker. Like a lot of people's last name is shoemaker. Because that's what they were, cobblers. We neither you or I have a man in our last names, unfortunately. Kind of sucks. Anyway, during this time in Staten Island, uh, it is described as, this is quoting a newspaper here, a rural seafaring community of 10,000 people living in hamlets. Well, that's all right. Do you know what a hamlet is, specifically? Yeah, it's, it's a small village, a little really? tiny village, yeah. The Wikipedia claims a hamlet has to be smaller than a village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, very weird. The uh, uh, Vietnam, the Viet Cong used to live in... I hamlet. shouldn't even say the Viet Cong. I should say the North Vietnamese people, because <laughs> not all of them were Viet Cong, that's for sure. They, they lived, lived in, in hamlets? hamlets? Yeah, and we... we Not we, but the U.S. had... Uh, had little little plans to make super fortified hamlets for them so they could repel Viet Cong attacks. Ah, okay. A super hamlet. Mm-hmm. I would live in a super mm-hmm. hamlet. They didn't want to because they were like, <laughs> I, I don't want to follow the rules of this imperial force, is mm-hmm. what they were like. Now, being that Staten Island was a seafaring town, it makes sense that at the age of 15, Polly would marry a lo- local oyster man named Andrew Bodine. Oh, all right. Here we are. Look, if you are an oyster man in 18, this is probably like 1820, you're dropping panties left and right. I'm you're high sorry. on the hog. Yeah. The residual smell that you bring around <laughs> with you wherever you go is just an aphrodisiac. I, Because I, I looked up oyster man to make sure that's actually what, what it was and wasn't like a slang for something. <laughs> oh, literally yeah. says someone who fishes for shellfish. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we got an oyster man on our oh, hands here. Gross. <laughs> now, following with what was expected of the time period, Polly would quickly give birth to both a son and a daughter. But after only five years of marriage, the couple would split because of some unspecified misconduct on the part of the wife that's quoted in like the newspaper or something wow that's a public smear job right (laughs) there after the couple separated the children would be taken to live with their maternal grandparents apparently neither of the parents wanted them what kind of custody agreement is that uh when we were reading about or we learned about mary cotton i feel like she did this had kids 
dumped them off on her parents, right? Okay, yeah. Maybe it was the fashionable thing to do at the time. Oh, we failed as parents. Let's see if uh, <laughs> yeah. our parents' parents can do it. <laughs> now, shortly after this, Polly took off to Washington, D.C., where she would fall in love with a Frenchman. <laughs> now, now, it is believed that Polly had given birth to another child, but Polly would later abandon that child once Jesus. she moved away from Washington, D.C. She has a lot of similarities to Mary Cotton, where it's like, has a kid, kind of gets rid of it, just dumps it. So Is she just traveling up and down the eastern seaboard, having kids with all these people, or what? I, I mean, so far, they only confirmed it's two, but we know later on that when she was married to Andrew, she was... Having in uh, cheating yeah, on him misconduct. all the time, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> misconduct so, on the part of the wife. Yeah, she has a lot of kids, as we're gonna learn in a minute here. <laughs> now, the reason that is believed that she might have abandoned the child was because her lover, the Frenchman, uh. seemed to just die. For we don't know why he just died all oh, of a sudden. I thought you were gonna say the Frenchman didn't want her anymore, or no, didn't no, no, want no. her to have a kid no more. No, she loved the Frenchman. That's... He just died, and we don't know why he died because oh, yes. it's the fucking eighteen hundreds, and who the hell knows what happened? He, he got a splinter. <laughs> he could have died of so many fucking things. Who the hell knows? <laughs> After this, Polly started telling everybody her name was Mary Ann Houston. Hmm. Not sure why. I swear I've heard that name before, too, for some reason. <laughs> Marianne Houston? Yeah. I mean, it could be a country singer from Texas, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and allegedly, she took up with a series of different gentlemen before becoming the mistress of a buffalo merchant. Oh, a side piece, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Another panty dropper here, the buffalo merchant. Oh, he's got mistresses all over <laughs> buffalo. <laughs> you bet he does. The Buffalo Merchant would eventually abandon Polly, leaving her heartbroken, but not before dissolving the Buffalo Merchant's marriage. Just remember this, ladies, mm -hmm. okay? God will never send you another woman's husband, all right? Never. He's <laughs> if not you are a God-fearing woman, take That's this That's right. God-fearing ladies, yes. listen up. <laughs> listen to Uncle Adam tell you how it is. It's... I think most people know that if you're going to become a mistress, don't expect them to leave their spouse because it's probably not going to happen. You can't catch feelings like that. No. And obviously the Buffalo Merchant had to get divorced because he was cheating, probably lost that. He's probably not a merchant. He's probably a Buffalo man now. Yeah, probably, probably just a Buffalo, a Buffalo man. He's just yeah. a Buffalo man, which is fine. I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. Not everybody can be a buffalo merchant. <laughs> My favorite thing is we don't know anybody's name, so we're just referring to like what they do. <laughs> Their occupation. Yeah, we got a Frenchman, hey, and we got how, a buffalo merchant. That's how last names started. That's what we were just talking about. It all comes full circle. If you were Adam Buffalo Merchant, that would be, that'd be amazing. You, you know I'd be swimming in <laughs> yeah. it at this point. Oh, yeah. I think we need to set up shop in Buffalo. I think that's what... Adam Buffalo Merchant. <laughs> yes. Anyway, after this, Polly headed to New York City, where rumor has it, rumor has it... I'm ready for the rumor. She ran a high-class bordello. <laughs> I don't know how you go from a Buffalo Merchant to running a high-class bordello, mm. but... Ooh, contacts. That Buffalo Merchant had contacts, all right? Maybe this was... Maybe it was like his favorite bordello. That could hooked be. Hooked her up with the job. That could be. 
She might. I mean, maybe she makes a good miss or a madam. That's what's yes, called the uh, madam. Definitely a madam here. <laughs> Finally, sometime in 1835, she found herself another lover who was a local apothecary named George Waite, who was the owner of a drugstore on Canal Street in Whoa. Manhattan. High price real estate there, my He's friend. He's popping. You oh, think yeah. in 1835 that's like popping real estate? Certainly. There? Canal Street? Are you kidding me? Mm, I've never been to Manhattan, so I don't me know. Me neither, but I do know about Canal Street. All I've ever heard about Manhattan is like every five blocks is the exact same thing. Just copy paste, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, like, you have a shitload of neighborhoods. So, where you live, you'll have everything like within your vicinity. And if you go five blocks down, there's the exact same shit over there. It's the way so, it's got to be, yeah. man. <laughs> anyway, it is believed that for the next eight years of the relationship between George Waite and Polly Bodine, she had became pregnant eight times. <sighs> But had abortions for all of those pregnancies allegedly performed by George Waite himself. Oh. That seems a little unethical. I'm just going to oh. not like abortions or whatever, but the father performing them. I don't know. He's not a doctor. He's a pharmacist. Well, I, I assume a pharmacist can do a lot in this time, right? Yeah. I don't know. What does a pharmacist do in 1835? Uh, they probably do everything, right? Probably whatever they want. Probably. <laughs> now, a little sidetrack. Now, Polly's husband, Anthony Bodine, whom Andrew. Andrew Bodine, who she was still technically married to, had descended into a life of drunk, mm. uh, life of a drunkard, mm. apparently because he was very upset about his wife's obvious infidelities while they were still together. Yeah, he doesn't want to be a cuck. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he was. <laughs> he is a cuck. I love this part. Sometime around 1841, still without formally divorcing, Andrew Bodine would remarry a disreputable character by the <laughs> name of Simpson. <laughs> we don't know her name. That is how they describe her. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know why you would call someone that. Oh, that's just the worst. What? What is she? Was she disreputable about? I don't know. Maybe she. Maybe that means she was a former hooker or something, Mm. sex worker. It could be. I don't know. When I read that, I'm just like, why would you put this? Or maybe that's 18, whatever. Maybe that just means she got a divorce, so she's a divorcee. I mean, that means she's disreputable. I would assume the Victorian era of like class structure kind of bled into America at this point. I would assume so. It's probably why that's happening. Anyway, two years after their marriage, the new Mrs. Bodine was found dead in her bed, and Andrew was promptly arrested and charged with murder. Whoa. But he would be acquitted for a lack of evidence, although he was charged with bigamy and forced to spend two years at Sing Sing Prison. For bigamy? Yeah. And who did he bigamy with? Because he was still married to oh, you're right. Polly, yeah. and oh he remarried the disreputable character named Simpson. He got Simpson. bigamied on, and now he's bigamy. Now he's yeah. in the slam at Sing Sing <laughs> Island. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's a prison to fuck with, either. That's a bad spot to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I say. When I hear arrest for bigamy, when we talk about Mary Cotton in the Victorian era, bigamy, they did not play with bigamy. No. You're the husband's property until you <laughs> yeah. die. But anyway... With all that out of the way, we're going to get down to the main meat of the story itself. Let's get down to brass tacks. Now, jumping to 1843, it appears that Polly was currently living 
with her parents, Abraham and Mary Houseman, whose house was located on the north shore of Stanton Island, a place at the time called Granite Village, later renamed Graniteville. Yeah. I was uh, I trying to look up like what to do currently in Graniteville. There's nothing there. Not a thing? Except for like a granite dig site memorial park or Get something. Get out of like, here. I swear to God. That's why they named it that, because it was like a quarry or whatever. I'm telling you, people had no imagination. <laughs> no. Your job was your last name, and your and your hometown is what they did. Is what you're going to die doing for work, basically. Now, Granite Village at the time consisted of one church, a tavern, several stores of various kinds, and about 40 or 50 private dwellings. Little hamlet. Yeah, it's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of sounds like... Every town in Wisconsin, if we're being real here. but Church and a bar. Those are your two major facilities. Most small towns now, you at least have like three different churches to choose from. Yeah. You're not restricted to just one. So. You don't just have to be a Lutheran mm. by birthright. Yeah. <laughs> now, about a stone's throw away from Polly's parents' home was her brother George Hausman's home. George is described as a big, bluff, (laughs) good-natured schooner captain. Okay, do you know what a schooner is? I had to look this up as well. Actually, we had to look it up for a previous Did we? And it is a small ship that Mm. carries not too much, mostly, I would say, more crew than it can carry merchandise. I would say, if you imagine, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean boat, but a smaller one. And it's usually got, like, a little more angular sails than like the big masted sails well it sounds like from what he did he must transport either people or cargo yeah up and down the east coast so i don't know that's the that is a boat that you would do to yeah. do to use it doesn't sound like a bad job though a captain it sounds funner than it probably was <laughs> probably <laughs> well if he's the captain he just has like 20 Jordans aboard to do his bidding. Yeah, he He's hangs out in his little office all day mm. and writes fancy letters. And... <laughs> now, George was married to a pretty young lady by the name of, I think this is Emmeline Van Pelt. Emmeline or Emmeline, I don't know. It's like Emmeline. Emmeline, we'll yeah. go with that. And the couple of cool... The Van Pelts I've heard of. Really? Fancy? Are they fancy? I see now. I'm not sure if I saw that name in a movie or if that is an actual people of high society. Well, I think it is a people of high society. Okay, I've heard of the Van Pelt's reference. I feel like you'd hear that name on, uh, like, one of those Real Housewives show. Sure. Old money. (laughs) The vote. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know if these people have that much money. I don't know how much a a schooner captain gets paid actually but yeah, yeah. maybe it's okay if he maybe doesn't own if he doesn't own the trading company then probably, probably not much yeah. but anyway as with every couple of this time period within a year of you know being married they would give birth to a daughter jesus now because george was partly worried about emmeline's fragile health after giving birth and partly because george distrusted banks so much he kept all of his wealth within the home, and he didn't like to leave his wife home alone while he was gone at sea. Yeah. So George would generally ask his sister Polly to stay with Emmeline and his young daughter to look after and protect them. Makes Everything's sense. normal, right? Makes sense. Now, the series of events to follow kicks off on December 24th, 
1843. Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes. Now, George Hausman currently was not at home because he was away on a month-long voyage to Virginia. That shit must go fucking slow, right? I wonder what they were bringing. Man, I, I want to know. know what they were bringing. Probably tobacco or slaves or something. <laughs> In 1843? I don't know. <laughs> They're bringing slaves. I mean, maybe. I, I mean, don't know. The abolition didn't happen until yeah. Civil War, brother. That's true. I, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't mention any of that. I don't know. But anyway, but he was to be expected home within one or two days, somewhere in there. On the evening of the 24th, their young neighbor, who was 14-year-old Matilda O'Rourke, that mm. is actually an Irish person, <laughs> talking about that earlier, <laughs> was visiting Emmeline for Christmas Eve. Why this is important is because while Matilda was still at the home, Polly had arrived to the home to spend the night with Emmeline and the baby. Mm -hmm. Matilda would later testify in court she had witnessed Emmeline placing her silver teaspoons, dirt dessert spoons, and sugar tongs in a cabinet and, this is quoting Matilda, twice take her gold watch out of a drawer to learn the time. Hmm. I love how they say that. <laughs> Couldn't just say checking the time. Uh, I'm learning the time I here. I must learn the time. <laughs> Matilda would also recall seeing the 20-month-year-old uh, baby had on a string of coral beads and a gold locket, which it usually wore upon its neck. So, is Emmeline here, like, just floss, just flaunting her wealth? I guess. I, I don't know. Well, I assume she uses this stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, you gotta have... Dessert spoons. I need. How do you I know I need them. It? Sugar tongs. I can't get the sugar anywhere unless I got my <laughs> sugar tongs. Okay, your mother loves to cook desserts. So, have you ever ate a dessert without a dessert spoon? It sounds barbaric. You know, maybe, maybe my mother is a barbarian because I don't think we differentiate it. I think us heathens ate uh, everything of off the same available. spoon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a dessert spoon's like really tiny, like a baby spoon almost. Uh, I think. Like one of those little yogurt spoons. I think it yeah. is. It's like annoyingly small. Well, I don't want it. And uh, I don't know why the baby's got a gold chain on basic a coral bead and gold locket on it's about to be a uh, pitcher in the mlb <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now around 6 a.m the following morning on christmas day polly returned to her parents home to have some breakfast now because of the gaudy clothes of the time period nobody could tell but polly was actually eight months pregnant <laughs> They just look so frumpy that yeah, they, nobody just, could tell. You know what? Like, you say that, and people know me, like, all oh, that, like, yeah. poofy-ass, <laughs> gross clothing. <laughs> yeah. I hope that never makes a comeback, my oh, lord. Dude, fake nails are making a comeback. Did you know that? Are, what do you mean, fake nails? Like no press-on nails? I thought that's always been a thing. Well, I mean, that was a really big... In when my mom used to get them when I was like five, mm. six, seven, mm. but then it went out of style, and now I think it's making it's a big comeback. Back. The okay. press ons, all right, maybe we'll have to get some. Well, that's <laughs> you, if you want to have like poop under your fake fingernails. All oh, the time, is that what maybe. gets under there? Oh, you're wiping your butt with your big long <laughs> fake. Well, you don't have to stick the thumbs in there and pull it out. Have They'll you seen the fingers these, in there? Have you seen the big long nails? Are you talking about like the they're like 
Like yes. tiny ones or like big ones? Either way, that's too much nail. Like the raptor claws? Yeah. That's definitely getting poopy. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely getting poopy and raw meat in there. Think about so. the lady with like the world record for longest Ugh. nails. How does she wipe? Like she has to have a, a bidet in her house. Oh, have to. God. You have to. You have to. <laughs> or you just hop right in the shower and there's just poopy in your shower all the time. <laughs> And I Grogan's. Saw, I saw the new Charmin commercial. What was their new slogan? It's like, have fun going or something like that. What? It was like, make going fun or something like that. No, toilet I mean, paper will never make it fun. <laughs> My phone makes it fun. <laughs> yeah. I think the action of doing it makes it fun. Relieving Relief, the plush. Yeah, yes. Oh, my. That's as good as anything. <laughs> but anyway, because Polly was pregnant. I they, like to pretend sometimes that I'm a big pimple. Oh. And when I poop, it's all the it's all pus the coming pus. off. Yeah. Okay, that's one way of looking at, it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now because Polly was pregnant, the parents remembered that she came in and just fucking devoured food like it was no one's <laughs> business. Her parents recalled this later. After breakfast, Polly informed her mother that she was going to spend Christmas with her lover, mm-hmm. George, wait at his apothecary shop in Lower Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Polly then put on her ultra-sexy cloak and bonnet. Oh, that's getting me wet. Loaded her large wicker basket up with pies and headed out the door. That cloak fits just right. I wonder what pie, like, she has a basket of pie. What kind of pies are in there? I'm hoping she's got a meat pie and at Mm. least two dessert pies. That's what I'm hoping. (laughs) She's packing a lot of pies in there. Mm. God, I would go for a basket (laughs) of pies right now, son. We need somebody to bring us a basket of pies. Truly. Truly. And if you live in Philadelphia, I've always wanted to try, well, never mind. I can't remember. Tasty cakes. (laughs) Send me some tasty cakes. Yeah. Hmm. Or Drake's Cakes, I think that's what they're Is called. Is that the uh, Cake Boss guy? No. No? No. Okay. I thought that was his place. They have a uh, Cake Boss place at Mall of America now. They have a location well, you know, there. You know it's not good then. Probably they've, not. they've like, franchised out that much, you know it's not Jody, good. Jody, my mother, went there and said it was great. Really? But that was, like, as they were opening, and the line was out the goddamn mm-hmm. door when it was brand new. Hmm. Now, anyway, while Polly was outside, she took notice of the neighbor boy named John Thompson pounding on Emmeline's door. Mm. Polly told him, If you knock much harder, you'll knock that door down. <laughs> John explained to Polly that his grandmother had sent him over to Emmeline's house because she needed to borrow some of her liver pills. Well, lucky you're on the same... <laughs> I guess it's 18-something. There was probably just one pill Dude, for everything. Dude, there is a whole shelf of liver pills. They didn't do anything, <laughs> but there's a whole shelf of them. Like, have you ever woke up and be like, I think my liver hurts. I no. need some liver pills. Yes, when I was drinking. Oh, but wow. that's near the end of my drinking spell. It was like, there is something in that area that fucking hurts. Did you ever think, I wonder if there's like a cure-all pill for this? No, I, no. I did not. No, it's a little more serious than that. Anyway, but Paul, Polly told him that Emmeline had left to visit her parents for Christmas and would be gone for the rest of the day. After this, Polly boarded a stagecoach and headed for the ferry. Around 9 a.m., Polly would get off of the ferry when it finally landed in Manhattan, where Polly was greeted by her 16-year-old son, Albert. Whoa. Now, Albert had a pretty sweet gig working as a live-in apprentice for George Waite's pharmacy. Ooh, I bet they're getting turned up every <laughs> oh, night. Yeah. 
Now, like any nice son, at the ferry, Albert took his mother's large wicker basket as they made their way to the pharmacy. Is this one of her sons that she pawned off on? I think it was the first marriage's son. Gotcha. Because they had two kids, a boy and a girl. That's right. And I think he's old enough, so then she kind of like... I know, took him under her wing, I guess, or took him back. I don't know. Made contact again, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe her her parents died. I don't know. I don't, we don't know what happened. Jesus. Anyway, now to note, on their way back to the or on their way to the pharmacy, Polly had stopped at a milliner's store where, for fifty cents, she purchased a hood. In a green veil. Mm, that'll look good on that cloak, baby. I, I had to look up what a milliner was. It's like a fucking hat salesman. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's what you call them. Yes. A milliner. When you're mad as a hatter. <laughs> yeah. So Were next they time, still using a, a shitload of uh, mercury at the time? Probably. I, I'm assuming. I don't know about for a hood and a green veil, Oof. but uh, this is like some Assassin's Creed equipment yeah. she just purchased here. So Yeah. Now, when they finally arrived at the pharmacy, Albert almost immediately headed down to the basement to continue stacking boxes wow. while Polly and George were left to talk upstairs. He Look, he's a good worker. He's Fuck headed yes. right back there. After a while, Albert headed back upstairs and was promptly given some money by George Waite. Now, George told Albert that he wanted him to go out and purchase a leg of mutton mm. that they would then enjoy for Christmas dinner. Albert was taken back by this request because, as he would later say, George had never spoke of getting a leg of mutton before. <laughs> Besides, there was a plenty in the house to eat. Jeez, this kid's thrifty as hell. Yeah, He's he, smart as hell. We he doesn't want you wasting money on a leg of mutton to impress his mom that fucking walked out on him. <laughs> we Look, he got plenty of leftovers. We can just microwave them quick and call it a day. I like this kid. Yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a clever boy. Even more peculiar, obviously, was that most stores were going to be closed because it was fucking Christmas. But George didn't care. He told Albert if the local market was closed, there was another one about three quarters of a mile away he could check. Well, George is now taking advantage of (laughs) Albert's hardworking spirit. Absolutely. And if that one was closed, he could check the meat stands on Washington and Greenwich Street. It was very obvious that they just wanted to get albert out of the store for a while Mm -hmm. but albert was a good boy and wasn't gonna turn down the task so he quickly set out to find that leg of mutton it would take albert an hour and a half to locate a place where he could purchase that goddamn leg of mutton it's fucking freezing out here i'm walking (laughs) around trying to find the stupid meat so this guy can ball out my mom i bet a leg of mutton is kind of heavy too right like i assume it's like well, it's not like a Fred Flintstone no, rib. No, but it's probably like 20 pounds, right? I, th- I would think so. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, now it was around 2.30 p.m. when he returned to the pharmacy, but interestingly, his mother was not there. When he asked George where she was, he simply told her that she was gone out and I don't know where. <laughs> I love She's gone out? Do people <laughs> say that? She has gone out and I don't know where. She's done gone, boy. I don't know where she went. One got a pack of smokes. <laughs> but we certainly have an idea where Polly actually went. While Albert was doing his menial task, around 1.30 p.m., a woman with a cloak and veiled hood had entered a pawn shop, entered the pawn shop of Aaron Adolphus, located at 332 William Street. Great name. <clears throat> I know. 
The mysterious woman had pawned off a gold watch engraved with the initials E-H for $35. I did. I found a website that calculated this. $35 in 1843 is worth $973.34 today. Oh, that's a good pawn. Yeah, that's a lot. Holy shit. Unfortunately, I know what those uh, initials stand for. You have a guess? I have a guess. (laughs) At another pawn shop located on East Broadway, the mysterious woman had pawned off the gold chain that belonged to that gold watch for $25. God damn. <laughs> God damn. So the chain was worth damn near as much. That would be, what, 700 bucks worth of chain right there. Well, okay, what's gold per ounce right now? Not as much as it was in 2011. Okay. So, but I'm saying, is, like, each of these an ounce worth of gold, do you think? Or is it, like, half an ounce, Well, they would, if it was the same amount of gold it would be the same price that they would give her but uh it probably the watch because of the craftsmanship and the fact that it's a watch mm. fetch some more but maybe it was the same amount of gold in each one i don't know it's a lot especially for a chain right for like 700 bucks yeah. yeah yeah now the same woman stopped at two different pawn shops located on chatham street uh and pawned a set of silver teaspoons Dessert spoons and sugar uh, tongs, all engraved with the initials E.H. And finally, the woman stopped at the jewelry store Thompson and Fisher at 331 Broadway, where she traded a child's necklace, a little gold locket attached to a string of coral beads for a woman's hair bracelet and 50 cents in coin. I guess that one's not worth quite as much. Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's a... Is this a bracelet made of women's hair, or is this like <laughs> to put your hair on? Women's, yeah, it's probably a hairband. Okay, a women's hairband. That's uh, <laughs> okay. Well, it's pretty obvious exactly what happened here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there ain't a big secret. Oh, she's staying at her parents for the weekend. Huh? Obviously, <laughs> oh, don't worry. We're getting we're getting weird here. <laughs> now back at the pharmacy. Polly would eventually reappear with her large wicker basket. It, pe- it appears she had went out and purchased a few holiday treats, which included a New Year's cake and some donuts for her son. Now, mm. I had to look up a New Year New Year's cake. Yeah. Now, there's two different things. There is a uh, Greek New Year's cake, which is kind of looks like a bland ass cake, mm. and then there's a New Year's cake. That is made with a champagne buttercream frosting. I'll fuck with that all so, day long. It, that I, didn't look that bad. God, I love buttercream <clears throat> frosting so, so much. I don't know if that's what this is, but instead of New Year's cake. Of course. So she she is. went out and pawned her victim shit, and mm. then now she's like, I got cake and donuts, baby. This, this is her, like, alibi. I'm just buying some, some sweets. That's <sighs> it. No, oddly enough, after Polly had purchased the cake and some donuts and George made Albert go out and locate the leg of mutton, Polly didn't even stay around to enjoy any of the Christmas treats that had been purchased. Instead, she told Albert she was going to stay overnight with her friend, who we only know as Mrs. Strong. <laughs> that is... I don't know. She was like, hey, day, now it's time to go. Yeah, basically. Well, Mrs. Strong, I kind of like that. Mrs. Strong. What if she just like (laughs) roided to the gills, just fucking like, come on in. (laughs) Come in, I am Mrs. Strong. (laughs) Now, back in Staten Island at the house of George and Emmeline Houseman, around dusk, 
a local neighbor named Richardson was cruising by the home on his horse when he took notice of a woman with a hood and green veil that at first was just standing outside. But when she was noticed, promptly headed inside. Hmm. Obviously, because of this masterful disguise, <laughs> Richardson couldn't tell who it was, but he knew for certain that was not Emmeline Hausman. Mm, back in these days, yeah. being a neighbor actually meant something. Yes. It's like you knew the comings and goings of your neighbors because you kind of had to. Yeah. They were your security as well. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mention that because in a second here, we're going to see what the neighbors do. Uh, a few hours later, around 9.30 p.m., two boys who were returning home from a skating party mm. saw smoke pouring out of the home of George Hausman. I had to look this up, too. Make sure it's what I thought it was. Yeah, what's a skating party? It's a ice skating okay. party. Okay. Kids go skate together in 1843, I guess. Well, I love it. At least they're doing something. I, I would mean, be LARPing in 1843. <laughs> I don't think you'd need a LARP. you just act that way. That's just how you are. Just walk. Lightning you just, bolt. <laughs> you just cast lightning. fireballs on people <laughs> and shit. The two boys started shouting, which got the attention of the neighbors, who then in turn grabbed water bales, broke the door open, and headed inside, attempting to put out the flames. Hmm. Interestingly, they soon discovered that the fire was pretty much isolated to the west corner of the kitchen near the stove. Hmm. Now, like somebody left the stove on or something like that, and it's well, the show from there? I'll tell you in a minute. The stove is always on, but we're going to... Oh, it's a wood burner. That's right, their heat. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. They don't have central air back then. Correct. Now, Polly's parents, Abraham and Mary Houseman, would be one of the first people on the scene and informed everybody else that Polly had told them earlier... The M-Line was actually at her parents' for Christmas, so she couldn't have been home when the fire started. Yeah. They soon discovered that the source of the fire was from the bed that was set up extremely close to the stove, hmm. which wasn't weird because during the winter months, Emmeline, the baby, and Polly, when she would stay there, would sleep right next to the stove to keep warm. Not safe. Not safe, but, but makes fucking sense. Yeah, it's how you got to keep warm in New York in the winter. Here. When your house is barely a house and right. has cracks blowing <laughs> through it. Uh, not cracks blowing through no. it. But. I can't imagine it's like that well insulated. I don't think they honest. have uh, weatherproofing kits <laughs> no. that you can put on your door jams and no. stuff. Just sleep by the stove. You'll be fine. Yeah, a little fire never hurt nobody. <laughs> Now, when they moved the incinerated bed out of the way, an Andrew Miller discovered a charred, charred object that was vaguely human-shaped. At first, he just assumed because George Halsman was a ship captain, it must have been one of the ship's wooden figureheads. Ooh, what a weird fucking assumption That's that is. That's what he assumed it was. Man. It was just under the bed burning. George really takes yeah. his work home with him, so it I, must be a fucking masthead of a <laughs> ship. I'm I'm just like, I don't know what this guy was thinking. That's ridiculous. Well, he was probably thinking positive. He was like, yeah. oh, I hope that's not a fucking person. <laughs> Speaking of people whose mm. names are their jobs, okay. Andrew Miller. <laughs> I wonder what he did for a living. <laughs> Make uh, concrete blocks? <laughs> that's should we it. just start calling him Jordan Miller? Is that what we should start Jordan, calling him? Jordan Mason? Jordan Mason, I think that's what we should call him. Anyway, but when Andrew Miller... Looked a little closer, it became very clear that this was actually the body of Emmeline Hausman. So Andrew mm. Miller threw a blanket over the body, grabbed the body by the arms, while Daniel 
Cochran, Cochran, I think that's how his name is, took hold of her legs to move the body outside. As they were carrying the body, Emmeline's mm, right don't tell me. <laughs> Emmeline's right arm had been roasted so badly by the fire it became dislocated <laughs> from the shoulder and fell to the floor. Upon re-entering the home after moving the body, they soon discovered the body of the young baby, which had been exceedingly badly burned by the fire. After this, the bodies would be taken to have a post-mortem examination performed by Dr. William G. Eddie, 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 William G. Eddie. He's not dropping panties, I'll tell you that much. <sighs> you know he's been cucked by a few oystermen. Oh, the oystermen and the buffalo merchants, They've sir. They've gotten him, all his ladies. Buffalo merchant, won't you come <laughs> on tonight? Uh, he soon discovered that both the mother and child had actually been murdered several hours before the fires had even been set. Emmeline's throat had been slit and her skull had been broken open so badly that it exposed her brain. Fuck. Which in the fire had became roasted. Uh, uh, Emline's left forearm bones were completely shattered, which they assume was caused by blows from an axe. And I think that's what they think happened to her skull as well. Oh, that's anger. Mm. Uh, and as with the baby, most of the skull was completely missing, but they would recover a few fragments in wreckage uh, of the fire. Again... Presuming that the murder had been done via an axe. Now, me. around this time period, it seems like the axe is the weapon of choice, right? Everyone's got one. Every- they've all got wood burning stoves. Like, ah, are these? I I don't know. I when I think of an axe now, I mean you could kill someone with it, but it doesn't seem as sturdy as like an 1840s axe where yeah, it's like a yeah. block of sharpened iron on your goddamn thing there. And that thing's got to last you forever because <laughs> you can't like, go out buying new axes. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're I, I bet an yeah. 1840s axe is mm, a brutal instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about the one uh, Homeboy had in the 1600s and the witch. Mmm, right. Jacob. Is it, is it the dad Jacob? I don't know, but his voice makes my balls shake. <laughs> it's so fucking deep. Because he's on Game of Thrones, too, as, like, the... He, he's, uh... One of the... He is. He's one of Theon's people, the salt people. He is. Yes, he is. Holy shit, why did I even notice that? Well, I only noticed because his voice makes my balls vibrate. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right. One newspaper would later write this about the bodies. They could scarcely be said to bear any resemblance to the human species. The only reason they could positively identify Emmeline was because of... The peculiarity of her teeth. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, does she have, like... Fucked up, like, fucked up identifiable teeth. teeth. Mm. Not even fucked up, but just, like, you know, they were crooked in yeah. a certain way. <laughs> okay. I wonder if, like, braces and, like, healthcare has made identifying teeth more complicated. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. The orthodontist, you know... Mm, everybody's smile beca- looks the same. Look, because of an orthodontist, O.J. Simpson walked free. I want you guys Truth. to think about that Truth. next time you're tightening braces on Truth. kids' teeth here. Remember that, orthodontist. <laughs> even though your field has more suicides <laughs> than any other profession. Do they, really? Dentists, yeah, dentists. Really? Yeah. Why? They I don't know. seem so happy. Do they, though? Tears of a clown, I my mean, friend. on the surface, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I guess. I oh, don't when know. they get home. They, well, we seem happy too, so they there's gas that. Themselves. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm not on suicide risk. True. Neither of us are. Good. Now, as no surprise, they speculated the primary reason for the murder and arson was robbery. Because it didn't take them too long to figure out the house had been ransacked and many of the valuables were missing, which included M-lines, engraved silver spoons, sugar tongs, and gold watch. Interestingly, two items were missing they would never recover. A hatchet and a carving knife, which I would presume... Are the murder weapons. Man, if it's a hatchet, that's Mm. even more personal and brutal Mm. than it would be if it was an axe, I think. Well, like, I didn't go into the full details, but it sounded like what he wrote is essentially the baby's head wasn't there. Yeah. Because it was smashed in so bad. Oh. That's a a lot. Babies don't have a lot of real estate on their head, so an axe will completely destroy Mm. it. Mm. It's, It's brutal. The following morning, at around 7.30 a.m., a witness would spot Polly Bodine walking towards the ferry landing in Tomskin, <laughs> Tomskinville. Tomkinsville. Tomkinsville. Tomskinville. <laughs> Tomskinville. <laughs> what the most interesting thing is, is that Polly apparently walked the six-mile journey from Granite Village to Tomskin. <laughs> <laughs> Tomskinsville. Nope. <laughs> Tomkinsville. That's right. Now, the main reason the witness <sighs> would later be able to identify that this was, in fact, Polly Bodine was because of her distinct long, long crooked nose. <laughs> long hooked nose. Yeah, that's how they described her. And this is why she would earn the nickname of. The Witch of Stanton Island. It all makes sense. Because that goddamn nose. It all makes sense, you <laughs> big hook-nosed crone. Uh, like, here's... is it like this? Like, like bent completely uh, one way? hook nose would be... Oh, like this yeah, way. Yeah, okay. yeah, The way they typically portray Jewish people in racist cartoon. Anti-Semitic cartoons. Uh, the the... nose I do have to tell you that it is Staten Island. I don't. I know that we're going to have a lot of Staten listeners. Staten Island, okay. A lot of what listeners. I've been saying, Staten, Stanton, Stanton Island, Staten, Staten Island. I know a lot of listeners are from there, and they love it. Mm. it it's uh, so it's you want to avoid place. hate mail right now? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I assume since our listeners are on the ball, they've already sent it since mm, we're like 50, yeah. 57 minutes in. But <laughs> okay. maybe now they can send us a retraction. That's like, sorry, I just heard. 56 minutes in the podcast. Okay. All right. Thank you, Adam, for correcting me. I don't think I have to say that word one more time. Well, I really fucked the pooch on this one then, didn't I? I think I have to say one more time, but we'll get there. Anyway, now Polly then boarded the ferry, proceeded to sit on a chair in a darkened corner of the cabin and called upon the ship's chambermaid named Catherine Jane Hawkins because she required a few items. Hmm. Polly claimed she was tired from her long walk and needed some food and a glass of gin. Now, as with the time period, Catherine thought it was weird for anyone, let alone a woman, to ask for a glass of gin at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah, you're turning up uh, way too soon, (laughs) baby. Here's the other thing. She's pregnant, too. Not that it mattered at this time, but yeah. yeah. Not that it mattered at this time period, but yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, but Catherine wasn't about to de- deny her customers a request mm-hmm. and retrieved Polly a big slice of pie and a glass of gin. Mm-hmm. That is an awesome breakfast right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> now, around 10 a.m. the same day, one of Polly's cousins named Freeman Smith <laughs> had actually headed for George Waite's pharmacy to inform Polly of the atrocities that had transpired at her brother's home. As no surprise, when Freeman first arrived, Polly wasn't there, but her son Albert was. Hard-working little shit. He told Freeman that his mother had actually stayed overnight with her friend, Mrs. Mrs. Strong. (laughs) But Albert would head over to Mrs. Strong's to get his mother. Oddly enough, when Albert arrived at Mrs. Strong's house, Mrs. Strong told him that his mother had not been there at all. All. Your mother never came <laughs> to my house, Albert. Come in for come protein. Here. Yeah, come here, little bitch. <laughs> is, her clits is bigger than Albert's dick. <laughs> as Albert returned to the pharmacy, Polly just so happened to enter the store as well. Well, that's good timing. Freeman then informed Polly of what had happened to her sister-in-law, which obviously caused Polly to be completely overtaken with grief. She just couldn't believe such a terrible thing could have happened. Yeah, like JonBenet's parents. <laughs> yeah. So Freeman and Polly would jump back on the ferry and take them back to Staten Island. That a kid. Got him. You big boy. Now, it just so happened that her brother George Houseman had returned home from his voyage, so Polly would meet with her brother on the docks <laughs> To inform him of what had happened to his wife and baby. A local newspaper would write, Polly met him with convulsive sobs, and she spoke of the melancholy fate of his dear little child, also of his beloved Emmeline, whom she had ever prized as dearly as one of her own sisters. I don't know if that's true at all, but... uh, Not when she axed him to death. Yes. Obviously, George Houseman was fucking stunned and completely uh, taken with grief. Merry Christmas! Yeah, not a good Christmas (laughs) gift there. On Wednesday, December 27th, while the coroner's inquest was still underway, the funeral services were held for both Emmeline and the baby, Mm. where Polly would put on another way over-the-top display of grief to make everybody know just how sad she was. (laughs) Attention-seeking, fucking murderous (laughs) asshole i think she's like i couldn't have killed him you see how sad i am yep over the thou dost protest too much (laughs) but within just one more day the suspicion began to turn completely towards polly because she could probably tell they were starting to focus their investigations directly on her she wrote a letter to george Waite informing him to make sure that if the police ask to tell them that she had actually spent all of Christmas Day at his store. That's good. Paper trail alibi. <laughs> Smart idea. But unfortunately, because George Waite decided to not remove said letter from his pocket when he was taken in for questioning, the police quickly discovered the letter written by Polly. <sighs> I mean, I get it. There's no cell phones, but <laughs> no. goddamn. God Get damn. rid of the letter. Burn it immediately. Yeah. It shouldn't even have to be written. Like, no. this is evidence, this letter. <laughs> Burn it immediately, you idiot, George Waite. Around that same time, the police went around to all of the pawn shops to see if anybody had pawned the stolen items, which they pretty quickly were able to locate. Oh, yeah. The owners and the witnesses uh, from the pawn shops gave them the the description of the mysterious woman. 
the Assassin's Creed character who brought in fucking (laughs) the items. Yeah. Uh, by New Year's Day, 1843, Polly Bodine was arrested under suspicion of murder and held at Richmond County Jail. Now, interestingly, just a few days after her arrest, while she was left alone in her cell, Polly would give birth to a baby girl. Wow. Sadly, the baby was found dead in the cell. Aww. Now, they assumed it was from a stillbirth. But some people suspect that Polly had actually strangled the baby, <sighs> and some people speculate that all the other pregnancies from George Waite, he didn't actually do abortions. She actually strangled them all to death. You think they think that she, some people think that that could be feeding into the witch right. suspicion? That was because my that's thing. Insane. Yeah, it's. I mean, on Mary George Cotton, Waite's part too. Yeah, Mary Cotton kind of killed all the kids or whatever too, but uh, eight of them. Might be a bit extreme. That you for carry one all the way to term yeah. just to strangle? I don't know, man. I would assume abortions were illegal in this time. Yeah. So he was probably performing illegal abortions on him. Maybe that was his side gig out of his pharmacy. We don't really Marcel know. Marcel did it. Dr. Yeah. Marcel Petiot. He did, right. Yeah. So I don't know. Jumping to sometime in June of 1844, about six months after the murder of Emmeline and her baby, Polly was finally put on trial. Crowds of New Yorkers, some actually paying to travel by chartered boats to Staten Island Mm. just to witness the trial. Mm. Most of the newspapers were writing that Polly Bodine was 100% guilty, running such headlines as, There cannot be a doubt as to the guilt of this wretched woman. (laughs) But interestingly, one journalist from a Philadelphia newspaper predicted an acquittal. This journalist was journalist was named Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, ho, ho, ho. He wrote, um, "This woman may possibly escape, for they manage these things wretchedly in New York." Wow! And once you know it, Edgar Allan Poe is right. Nah. Yeah, eleven of the jurors voted to convict, but the twelfth juror refused to render a gir- guilty verdict based upon circumstantial evidence, which caused a mistrial. I think this is crazy that Edgar Allan Poe was connected to this shit. Dude, not only that, mm. but he has come up before as a reporter in is our he? cases. Yep. Wow. I, which one? I don't remember him. In uh, um, Charles Lawrence, he popped up. Oh, right. And right. in Rally Philadelphians, A Tale of Minnesota Murder, he also popped up. When I was reading his quote, I'm kind of like, this feels like that normal Philadelphia, New York beef. Like, he's right. kind of putting it in they, the line. That's what they said. He would yeah. slander the fuck. He mm-hmm. learned from, like, the whoever was running the paper at the time just to slander the fuck out of New York. <laughs> Ironic he died of a Long Island iced tea, huh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Polly's second trial was then moved to Manhattan and set to be held uh, uh, sometime in March of eight, 1845, but... But by this time, the trial had gained even more notoriety and caused a feverish swarm of excitement. Now, presumably because the case was so insane for 1843, and I can only assume that people may have actually believed that Polly was a witch, Mm -hmm. it led to more excitement. An additional reason Polly Bodine's trial had gained even more attention and notoriety was because of P.T. Barnum. Uh, what the fuck did he, did he put her in a sideshow or something? <laughs> he did. Uh, let me tell you what he did exactly. Uh, well, his American Museum was located just a few blocks 
away from where the courtroom was where her trial would be held. Okay. And being that P.T. Barnum was always looking to make some money. Yes. He had set up a neat little display, which was a waxwork figure of Polly depicted as a toothless (laughs) 80-year-old hag hacking away at her victims. (laughs) To advertise his new little display, he peppered the city with flyers featuring a woodcut illustration of the grizzly scene. Jesus. He uh, he loved this shit, man. I'll tell you what. Have you ever seen Dark Tourist on Netflix? Yeah. That, yeah. Remember when he goes to that museum where they have all this shock stuff? Like oh, he's yeah. got a Nazi like PT, room. P.T. Barnum stuff? Well, no, he doesn't go. The, he goes to one in England, mm. but it's like the same type of thing. Like mm. these people still exist today. P.T. Barnum's, <laughs> they definitely do. I wonder if his old stuff you can still look. at. I would love to look at it. Uh, I wonder if we could find that out. Maybe somewhere in New York they would have it. I would that'd hope be, that'd be all. I just, I was like, you got Edgar Allan Poe and you got P.T. Barnum in <laughs> this story. What are the odds? Anyway. It's about witches. Yeah. Either way, Polly's second trial would last three weeks, and eventually she was found guilty. Woo! But upon appeal, the verdict of guilty was overturned, oh. and a third trial was ordered. <laughs> now, because the case at this point was so popular and well-known, they thought an impartial ju- uh, jury would be impossible to obtain, so they moved the third trial to Newburgh in Orange County. I think that's still in New York, definitely, by the way. Definitely, definitely. Um, but shockingly, this time, the jury voted to acquit. Oh, my God. According to a newspaper, after the verdict was read, Polly apparently dropped into a seat as if she had been shot and wept with relief. Then, turning to a lawyer, she said through her tears, Now I can sue Barnum, can't I? <laughs> yeah, she that... might not be the nicest lady oh. ever. Sue him for fucking, what, slander, defamation? I, I mean, I would assume, or maybe he owes her money for using her likeness. Likeness, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. And IP rights. She's technically not guilty. True. And he's making a false... Yes, slander, defamation, yeah. She can get him. Now, after being freed, Polly moved back to Staten Island and purchased a small cottage on Lafayette Avenue in Port Richmond, where she lived with her two children, Albert and her daughter, Eliza. Mm. Uh, Now, apparently, Polly didn't leave her house much after this, presumably because of her notoriety, and if she did, she always wore a veil to obscure her face. What a bitch. (laughs) When Polly reached the age of 75, she would be partially paralyzed by a stroke, but would still survive another nine years. I bet they were shitty years, though. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. When she finally passed away at the age of 84 on July 27th, 1892, interestingly, just one week before Lizzie Borden took that axe, killed her father and stepmother. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. What are the odds? Are there odds, or did that spirit flow from fucking... Her to Lizzie Borden? Like, Maybe. what the fuck? Lizzie Borden has a lot more incest involved. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. just a crooked crooked <laughs> yeah. brain is all that is. <laughs> but, God uh, damn, Cody. Yeah, that's our that's our one hitter, man. It's a I like weird story. Yeah. I don't know if she, I don't think she's actually a witch. I think she just wanted money. Boy, she's just an axe murderer is all she is. <laughs> yeah. and, and an infant murderer as well. I couldn't say it in the beginning, but that's another reason why he connects her with Lizzie Borden is because she got acquitted too. 
Yes, yes. So, boy, 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 <laughs> we've talked about this, how women did not get sentenced back then, or did not get even fucking convicted. It seems like in the 1800s, not too many people did get convicted. That is true Because there's well. like, they actually thought circumstantial evidence was like, not Circumstantial? A valid, yeah. <laughs> now it's like... The slightest uh, hint of guilt, you're like, oh, I'm guilty, kill him, uh, whatever, get rid of him. And that's the way the media does it, too. Mm-hmm. So how how could you find an impartial jury these yeah. days? You can't. I mean, we don't know 100% that she killed him. She killed him. But she, everything leads her direction. She buried an axe in their skull and sold all the <laughs> shit. So, yeah, she killed It was killed still him. a mysterious woman. It wasn't her. It was a green-veiled, <laughs> green-hatted lady. It's a lady with a green veil, and the nose is just protruding out of there. <laughs> well, Cody, I'm super happy with you. And oh, yeah. to be honest, I think the audience will be, too. And they're going to tell us all about it when they email us at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod, Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. Hopefully next week, Jordan will be able to return from maternity leave and tell us all, All of his it. new stories of be- of little Olivia. He's going to tell us how tired he is. I'm sure he will. <laughs> uh, I, I really hope to see him again soon, just so I can see what lo- he looks like. How long has he been gone? A month now? Three weeks. Yeah. This is the third week without him. Okay. Yeah, he... We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get him back here. He'll, I mean, he'll be back to. at some point, but yeah. sooner would be nice just because I want to hear from him. <laughs> I think he's back working right now, so. I, I think working he was. Working and baby, that's a lot. To so. be God's honest, mm. I think he was pretty much right after the baby was born because of how working. fucked. Yeah, because of how fucked this shit is, how fucked our country is about mm. giving fathers time with their kids, even mothers. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes moms have to return two weeks after crapping a kid out. That's too soon. Yeah, how are you going to bond? How are you going to spend good time well, bonding with it? Uh, the movie we're we're going to talk about on uh, Between the Bumbles, I Saw the Devil, right? Mm. When it, the guy's wife is killed, he they're literally, his company is literally like, why don't you take a month or two off? Beautiful. Get your shit together. Yeah. And I'm like, in America, you get three days. You better get back to work after that. Three you got now- three days to grieve the murder of your spouse. Get back to work then. Thankfully, Kong, who mm. was my boss when mm. my grandfather, grandpa died originally the gm who was that kyleen at the time <laughs> came around and was like okay yeah here's your form you can have three days and then we'll see you back i was like kong i'll be back pretty much when i'm ready so probably yeah. about a week he said yeah. don't worry i'll make sure you get paid for the whole thing that that's insane everybody grieves differently like you have to it's not like you have grandparents dying every single week like, according to corporations no it's too much man. you get three days it's insane and then worker bot must return to work you need more time than that yeah like it's ridiculous definitely yeah no just a lifetime bond with someone and you get three days to get over (laughs) it and get back to work yeah they would want you to go back to work yeah oh this is what they would want for you yeah (laughs) i'm pretty sure he probably definitely wouldn't but that's gonna do it for all of us here at the podcast my name has been adam and that has been cody thank you cody thank you adam we'll see you next week And uh, we'll see you Wednesday. And have a nice weekend unless it's Tuesday. (laughs) All that good stuff. All of it. Bye. Bye.